and one and two and a one two three four welcome to house of strauss industry talk we are joined as always by the one the only ryan glassbeagle of the new york post how you doing ryan i'm doing great how are you Oh, I'm doing fantastic. The audio quality behind you, Ryan, so much improved from from last week. I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, we, hopefully there aren't going to be any dogs that almost get run over in my living room tonight. I, I, I would say so. That would be quite the occurrence. That would be quite the collapse of infrastructure in the Midwest out there. Well, we've got a show for you guys. I uh, I think I I might have joined a cancellation brigade. Uh, today I've become the, the counselors, uh, and we can explore that vis-a-vis Mark Jackson. So that's a topic. Um, we've got this strange fan versus Chris Paul situation. Uh, concurrently the Suns and Dallas Mavericks are playing a playoff game. I feel like it's the George W. Bush administration era because the Suns and the Mavericks are, are getting deep into the playoffs and playing games of meaning. Welcome to anybody coming here from the halftime. Uh, and we've got other topics. Whatever you want to talk about, feel free to get in the queue and ask a question. Maybe we'll call you up. Uh, Ryan, do you want to start on MJAX or do you want to talk about your your fixation on Tom Brady? You know, dealer's choice. My fixation on Tom Brady. I think you're into the Tom Brady thing. I come to you. I want it explained to me. I want it explained to me. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but I don't. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it as a big story. We'll, we'll leave that later on. I think we'll leave with basketball. But I have, que- I have questions, Ryan. I have questions. Okay. Um, let's lead with Mark Jackson then. Okay. So today I'm... Posted- we also, we're also going to talk about Joel Embiid hopping on the Draymond Green train and ripping Bill Simmons. So yeah. it's another teaser. And we might talk mm. about... Um, Race insensitive mask scolds. <laughs> oh, I, I'm I'm curious about all those subjects. I might tie in the Joel Embiid Bill Simmons thing to the Chris Paul thing because I do think it's of a piece generally with a certain resentment and a certain wish that the rules were different. But first, we leave with Mark Jackson. Uh, I wrote an article today. Uh, it's been a mouthful of a title on my sub stack, what ESPN has to do with Mark Jackson's coaching aspirations. I view it as a media story that is interesting to me because ESPN has quelled coverage of Mark Jackson. That might be unflattering because Mark Jackson, of course, is uh, one of their three main broadcasters on their biggest games, does the NBA finals. And so uh, they don't necessarily want to say unflattering things about him. That would be quite embarrassing. And I was at ESPN during a time where a lot of that was suppressed. And yet you've got Mark Jackson often in the news every year trying to get a coaching position. And you've got people saying, well, gee, why is he not able to get a coaching position? So there's something odd there where it would be explained if ESPN could explain it, but they can't explain it. And in a way, Mark Jackson is perhaps doing damage to his reputation if he does leave ESPN and get one of these jobs, because then the anvil uh, can fall on him. So, uh, of course, I don't think much of that was taken away from my article. I think the uh, phrase penis grabbers uh, was taken from my article because in an ESPN article, ESPN, the magazine article on Jackson that was spiked, they had sourcing saying that he had referred to Jason Collins, the uh, first openly gay basketball player on Rick Welts. 
uh, Warriors, former president, one of the league's legendary executives who happens to be gay. Uh, Jackson referred to them, according to the sources in the spiked article, as penis grabbers, which is quite the phrase, Ryan. It is memorable. I get it. I get that that's the main takeaway. Um, so I guess I, these are my questions about – I have a few questions about the um, – the stuff you reported that ESPN reported or was going to report and got quashed. Number one, um, do you have direct knowledge of him like saying these things or you just know that that was in the story and they squashed the story? Excellent question. I was told that he said those things by people in the situation, but that's not the same thing as confirmation that it happened. I'm not there. You know what I mean? I was right. told by one person. It wasn't double sourced. Uh, so I had heard that. Um, so what Number... I'm really... uh, yeah. go ahead. The, the uh, thing that was written for ESPN, the magazine, though, said that they had two sources confirming that the phrase penis grabber uh, was indeed used. Uh, number two, how many NBA and NFL players have used similarly homophobic language in the confines of the locker room in the last decade. Answer a lot. a mere 91%. I mean, this is, this gets at my discomfort here, right? Because you should not be comporting yourself as such. If you are an NBA coach Uh, at the same time, I have to say 2014 was a bit of a different era than this era. I know that sounds crazy. I know that it sounds insane, but it was, I think a lot of people in the NBA didn't even know that certain things were bad. Uh, you certainly heard the F word, as it were. And I'm not talking about fuck, but you'd hear the F word in NBA locker rooms a lot more back in those days from some fairly prominent players. I know Kobe Bryant got caught using it in a game, and that was one of the um, that was a Twitter controversy, one of the uh, old Twitter controversies. But that was fairly commonplace. And so what's interesting about it to me is that the homophobia is almost retroactively given as a reason for the firing. You hear people speculating that, well, in the Bay Area, you know, this sort of talk, these sorts of opinions, this is what did Mark Jackson in. Not at all. Like, it didn't help him. It didn't help him. But if he was doing well and if he was good with management, um, if he was winning 65 he games. he wasn't being Nixonian about paranoia. Yes. Yes. Is undermining him. Exactly. If he wasn't, if, if, he, like, all if he pretended that he cared what the analytics guy had to say. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. If he was doing all of that, then he'd be fine. Now, I think the homophobia stuff is actually more an issue for him getting hired today because there's this sensitivity. You know, they hire Chauncey Billups to be the Blazers coach. And then it comes out that he's been accused of sexual assault 25 years ago. Nobody knows exactly what happened, but that's an issue. And you wonder if the Blazers would have done that had they known that it would become an issue. It almost seems like no, they knew more... it would become an issue. They didn't realize the magnitude of it. That was out. Yes. That was like covered by the Boston Globe. But um, at the time, um, so question three. So you give like a lot of power to ESPN's journalism machine in this story. And yeah, they quashed this one, but I think I would dispute the idea that they have some sort of monopoly on NBA or Warriors reporting. Like there's like 
people on the beat, like Marcus Thompson, Tim Kawakami, who worked at independent outlets or at least newspapers at the time. Um, and then you've got like Woj out there, who's certainly not flattering in his portrayals of Mark Jackson at the time no. that Jackson was fired. And so I would dispute the idea that the only people who could have reported this, you know, game changing, like, you know, life altering story on Jackson worked at ESPN. Yeah. The only people, so this is where it gets interesting with reporting. Like other people could have, but other people didn't necessarily have the goods and other people didn't necessarily have the relationships and, uh, or the inclination and would maybe want to focus on other stories. What was interesting in the case of ESPN is that they did, but then they didn't, right? Like they wanted to and would have, but for this. So mm-hmm. it was very lucky on the part of Jackson that the one institution that would have wanted uh, to do such a story just happened to be the place that he ended up working for. And it's no indictment on these other outlets or these other people. Obviously, I have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, Marcus Thompson and Tim Kawakami and Anthony Slater. And Slater wasn't even there at the time. Uh, but I'm not saying like they should have done this specific story. It's just interesting to me that it was something that ESPN in particular knew about. I think some of that has to do with certain relationships. I mean, it's hard to get into. It's hard to really describe how it all works. Uh, But the funny thing is that I I feel as though the Jackson thing has been helped by Woj coming to ESPN because he really can't go after Jackson because they're colleagues, even though there's this mutual contempt. So that's the other epilogue to the story. I mean, Woj certainly uh, took a two by four to him, but then he started to make his transition to being a pure news guy um, mostly. And so I guess the threat kind of went away and then he came to ESPN and then the threat's really gone. The um, other interesting part is you mentioned that Tim Corrigan, who for people who don't know, this is like ESPN is like run as a series of fiefdoms. So for a long time, a guy named like Leaf Fitting, for example, just totally oversaw college basketball and college football. And like, because they had a talented guy overseeing this fiefdom that like was like a, you know, well operating fiefdom at ESPN, so to speak, uh, NFL live rights over the last decade, not a great fiefdom, but, uh, or I mean, they're broadcasting teams, but, Mm. um, that like, so Tim Corrigan is the guy who like basically just decides all the assignments for, um, you know, what announcers are on which games and stuff, basically. And he he runs the studio content too, so Countdown and stuff. Although that kind of, I don't know that he has as much of a stranglehold on that as he may have before. But he does have it on the games, and he loves Mark Jackson. And it's interesting because, you know, Jackson's fine. I don't think he's exceptional broadcaster. I don't think he's bad. I guess there's no... NBA color commentators that I really get excited to hear about, like I do Troy Aikman and Tony Romo. Mm, yeah, I, I there are some who I think are I, I like better than I'm supposed to. I kind of enjoy Reggie Miller. Could Ooh, I, I don't. He's, great? he's the only one who, when I get him, I'm like, Ugh. 
I I enjoy his weird voice. I just enjoy like, oh wow, it's just, it's uh, it's something that just does something for me. Oh wait, now, Hubie Brown, Charlie's right. Hubie is the one that stands out yeah. as the one who I'm happy when he's there. Oh yeah, I mean he's the greatest. I mean he's like a hundred years old. Why but... did ESPN never hire Walt Clyde Frazier? He's so good on those Knicks games with Breen. They could have just had Clyde and Breen be the top team, and everyone would have loved it. Uh, yeah, it would have deprived the Knicks, but yeah, I mean, that's something that everybody would have endorsed. Everybody would have been cool with it. Maybe they wanted somebody a bit younger. I mean, Walt Clyde Frazier is probably in his seventies. I mean, that's a good question. Can you guess the age of Walt Clyde Frazier? Yes. I don't know. 74, but 15 years ago or whatever, he was not 74. 77, Ryan. 77. We weren't that far off. Yeah, I mean, he they wanted to go younger, I would assume. I do like these little worlds and how Tim Corrigan's a name that just no NBA fan knows who just determines all the major ESPN coverage. And it is funny to think about how people rise to these positions of prominence and make these calls. And yeah, we can we can hate on Mark Jackson, but you're right. There, there aren't a lot of other options that have been cultivated. I'm not sure why that is. It seems like it's something that should happen. Um, but it's a, you know the um, for for the recent players, you know, like Kobe and stuff. Uh, everyone wanted him, obviously. Yeah. The amount of money that they made of as players, and then the amount that until very recently with NFL broadcasters, which could be a good segue, that um, mm, I love it that the networks are paying is not you know, it's a big gulf. And, and so, you know, a Michael Jordan before ownership or Kobe or whatever, it's just not going to be worth their time for how much they get paid for it. Yeah. It's not worth their while. And it's all, it's not like an NFL season. It's a lot of travel. I mean, I would be just on Southwest flights, dragging my ass through the middle of the country in the winter as a beat reporter. And I'm in the hotel and I'm walking across the lobby and I see Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy eating some shitty continental breakfast in Oklahoma City. And this isn't this isn't the kind of life a big time retired athlete wants to live uh, unless it's for a lot of money. I mean, it's weird to me that they do it for coaching. If you're Steve Nash, why the hell do you want to coach the Brooklyn Nets after you've made all this money? That is perplexing to me. But for some reason, they're willing to do it for that. And not well. That's to do it more for some money than the broadcasters. What does he make? Like seven million a year or something? There's not another way for him to replace that. Yeah, that Joe Sai money. I'm looking up salary. A lot of coaching salary is uh, it's secret. opaque. Yeah, nine point three million is what Google tells me. I don't know if that's right, but that is a lot of money. Yeah, that's not nothing. So I can understand. And that. also, you get a four year deal and you get fired two years into it so you're really making like twice as much okay i got a name for you of somebody i would scout to be the uh the color commentator um jared dudley that's somebody i would look out for if i was well but to... he went into coaching instead of media god damn coach he's on we... the Mavs. your guy cubes hired him yeah can we woo him i think we can woo him um, yeah, I mean, the coaching sucks. Why well, they, they you know, you need like, there's two people, there's Tim Corrigan and whoever the Tim Corrigan at TNT is. And if they're not enamored with him, it's kind of tough sledding. The focus group hated Jared Dudley. Oh, God damn it. Back to the drawing board. Yeah, there is a dearth. 
there isn't much of a bench for this. Even if I like, I mean, there aren't too many good local announcing crews. Uh, they just broke up the one I liked out in Minnesota for no reason, which is a whole other thing. But okay, this is a natural segue. I'm not going to reject the natural segue. Why is Tom Brady becoming a football announcer such a big story? I, I tease you, Ryan, but it's a legitimately big story out there that people are reacting to. And I, I don't get it. What's going on? Well, it's like if Michael Jordan decided to become an announcer. Succinct. It's a good way to describe it. I guess that I would be very excited. I would be very excited if that happened. It just, okay, here's the counter argument for why I am uh, blasé about it. Um, Tom Brady did a whole documentary series on himself called Man in the Arena. Uh, there was he did hype. a second one, too. A second one. I don't even know about that one. There was hype for it. It was coming off that last dance. And there's almost this assumption that we can replicate the magic of Michael Jordan with not Michael Jordan, as Bomani Jones pointed out. And nobody cared. It didn't really matter. It wasn't that much of a thing. I think Tom Brady, obviously, uh, you know, incredible at what he does, iconic, all of that stuff. But it doesn't seem like we're that interested in what Tom Brady has to say. And I wouldn't be shocked if we're a few months into this experiment and the novelty is worn off and it's whatever, you know, I, I could see that happening. I think he's going to be good at it because Fox is great at training announcers. Like every top team they've ever had in baseball or football has been great. And I mean, like you think about it, who would have thought like Joel Quatt would have been the best or I guess second best maybe to Herb Street, like, college football color commentator like John Smoltz is incredible on the World Series with Joe Buck yeah. like um Troy Aikman I thought was I think he was better than Romo better than Collinsworth so I think he I if you ask that, me who I would want as I can't, the, I can't go that far with you I can't go f that far with you on Aikman over Romo I think people like Romo steep rise steep fall people started dismissing him I still enjoy Romo more in a game Aikman conveys so much disdain. I mean, that's my favorite thing about Aikman is that when a player screws up, he really puts that salt in the wound. There's kind of a, an acerbicness to the Aikman announcing that I'm amused by, but I think I prefer Romo overall with his uh, boyish giddiness. There wasn't. So uh, my colleague, Andrew Marchand, who like just is, dominates NFL announcing news. Um, he, he, he reported that Brady signed a 10-year deal worth a total of $375 million. And then Adam Schefter <laughs> relayed what I thought was a fascinating nugget that Brady's not just going to be announcing for Fox. He's going to be like a brand ambassador for them. And so you think about like... What <laughs> he's going on Tucker Carlson? Like what, what does this mean? No, you put him in the room with, like, the CEO of Ford or Chevy to uh, sell $100 million worth of ads over the – I, I don't even know what an ad costs or what, you know, Chevy writes a check to Fox for per year. But you put him in with the decision makers who write those, I don't know, eight or nine figure checks, and all of a sudden you can start to, like – come up with the value very quickly. Yeah, that's very Mad Men. That's, uh, he's an account. He's Roger Sterling. He's Duck Phillips. 
he's closing these deals for Fox. That but is, like, I'm, you know, if that's something that's priceless for these ad buyers is you get in a room with Brady and you get yeah. like, he's wooing you. And yeah. so there that's, I guess it's a combination intangible and tangible benefit that there's like not very many people on the planet that could have that value. Yeah. And there are most people are jock sniffers and it's no exception, especially people who are high up in business, but they're not famous. It's just all they want to do to uh, hang out with big time athletes and they would be putty in the hands of the athletes. And Hey, is Brady a closer? I don't know. I don't know. He might be a closer. He might be good at uh, doing these deals for Fox. But what was that contract he was paid again? Because I, I, I'm still wrapping my mind around that. It I, was that- 10 years total of $375 million, which is more than he makes <laughs> a player because he takes below market deals as a player, which is like, I think is as like, biggest skill of him is as a quarterback is like anything else he does is the fact that he takes less money, which allows the teams he's on to sign one to two extra starters. Yeah. I once said something similar about dead, uh, about uh, Tim Duncan and dead spin uh, railed against me for uh, being, I don't know, anti-labor or something like that. But I, I would agree that you shouldn't put pressure on an athlete to give up money, but it is, it is commendable at least if you're viewing them through the prism of, trying to win, trying to be a good teammate if they if they take less. I've got sticker shock on that amount. You know, I'm starting to understand why this was a big story that people were reacting to. That is incredible. Are we in a an announcement? Well, he's not even going to fulfill it because he's going to, I don't know when, how many years it's going to be. He's going to be an NFL owner. Him and his wife have earned probably over a billion dollars in their respective careers. Um and like he owns like several businesses and he's going to find know, man. Did he get into that crypto to partner with. <laughs> did he get into that crypto? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I well, mean... yeah. I mean, I guess how much did he invest in that in, in Bitcoin? Like he's been touting with his like, you know, red eye avatars or whatever. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I'm glad somebody's asking it, but he, it doesn't matter how much he has to put up. Cause he'll find some rich guy, like A-Rod did with the Home Depot guy and the Timberwolves who wants to bask in his presence and partner with him and he'll run the show. It like only takes one. He'll find Mm. that one and the question is when and what franchise, but I think it'll be within 10 years of his retirement. So I don't think he's really going to do 10 years at Fox, but that's what the agreement reportedly was. Yeah. That's uh, are we in some sort of arms race for NFL announcers? Because I don't remember it being like this until quite. Well, recently. we are because there's like a finite supply of the best games, and so there there's like X amount of games, and like all everybody wants, you know. Let's say there's Mahomes versus Brady this year. I don't even know if the Chiefs and Bucks are playing each other, but everyone wants that game. There's like a few games that are clearly the most sought after amongst like CBS, Fox, ESPN and NBC and the like networks are like trying to out jockey each other to curry favor with the NFL thinking this is the best booth. So we want to give them the best game. Do you see, do you see that ladies and gentlemen, that's why I like podcasting with Ryan. He knows things about the sports industry. I don't know and makes it make sense. 
rather quickly. So that was quite well done. Let's uh, let's take a call. We got callers in the queue. Okay, let's take a call from Yasarian. Yasarian, Yasarian. Yeah, How just real quick, you guys, backing up a little bit. Um, you know, it was one thing to take pot shots at Reggie Miller, but then to go after Troy Aikman as well. I mean, this ah. is just like naked anti-UCLA bias. I just had to call it out. Oh, my God. Yeah, Troy Aikman. I mentioned it in the article, in an article, I think, or a podcast. Uh, I can't shake this image out of my head. I, I might have mentioned it earlier on this, that uh, I I was hanging out with Anthony Slater, and Anthony Slater had just come through Dallas, and he said that he was on the Katy Trail. And Troy Aikman was there, shirt off, big jug of water, with a gold chain that had his initials on it, just talking to the ladies. And I thought to myself, that right there is Dallas, Texas, ladies and gentlemen. Troy Aikman, shirtless, gold chain, fresh off the divorce, uh, talking to the Cougars of Dallas. This has nothing to do with anything. I just think it's funny. I like bringing it up. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's all I had, guys. I just had to. I couldn't let. I couldn't let the cow. The cow alum get away with that kind of. Ah. I, I really want to know how long, like Fox and Brady, like had this kind of hashed out. Because, like, a lot of these contracts, they'll you'll be at like first and goal from the three, but then it'll take months to get into the end zone. They had to have add a very strong idea this was in the works before they decided not to retain Buck and Aikman. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. But maybe we'll, you know, maybe they'll be teased out. Maybe Marshan can do a TikTok, as they say in the business, of how this all went down. Or maybe Mr. Glassbeagle can. I don't know. Be on the lookout for it. (laughs) They're not going to tell me, so um, it won't be me. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so quick question from Mike, and then we will move on to the next topic. We got Mike on the line. Mike on the line. Are you there, Mike? Oh, there I am. Hey. Oh, so I think I uh, brought up the Mark Jackson thing first, so wanted to uh, proper credit for that. Yeah. Wait, the Mark Jackson thing? What do you mean? No, I remember I think a few weeks ago I was like, oh, yeah, on this I think I said, oh, yeah, this is going to be a problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. I rob the listeners of topics all the time. I I just mercilessly steal them. I can't come up with them all. And so I think there's a very good chance that you inspired the whole thing. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, well, there you go. See you, Mike. (laughs) That was so... so Let's take Notorious. Is this a new caller? New caller. We'll take Notorious. Notorious, are you there? Can you unmute yourself? Yes, I am. Hey, how's it going, fellas? Hey, Good, how are you? Okay, so the announcer that I think is a real litmus test for everyone out there is the person I love, and that's Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson's a lot of fun. I don't, I mean, Ryan, what does Gus Johnson do these days? Am I stupid he's, for not knowing? Um, he's the top college football announcer with with Joel Klatt at Fox, which means he's on, like, Michigan-Ohio State, um, which is one of the biggest games of the year. And then and he also has, like, a Big Ten title game. And he, he did some NBA playoff games for TNT in the first round this year. That's yeah. right. He did uh, the, the Milwaukee. He, he also does college hoops on Fox and FS1. I mean – I think uh, I, I don't know Notorious's take on Gus Johnson. I I'm in the positive, but I don't have like a granular analysis of it. Um, I've enjoyed him on NFL games, 
uh, and I've enjoyed him in March Madness games. But it seems like the NBA, at least, they've got play-by-play guys. Like they 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 got that going. It's the it's the color commentator that's the issue. That's where the bench is weak. Yes, um, there's a lot of great play-by-play guys. There's um, you there there's like Breen, obviously Harwin and Ian Eagle are both great. Harlan's a lot favorite. of NBA people don't like Brian Anderson. I have a soft spot for him because he calls Brewers games, or at mm. least until this. I mean, he calls like 50 or 60 a year now, but for the last five years, he's been like, you know, mostly the soundtrack of the Brewers. Um, I think Ruko is good. Um, Dave Pash is good. Uh, yeah. The, that you know, George Sedano is going to be like a, a play-by-play guy for ESPN in the coming years. I think he's really good at it. So there, there's a lot of uh, – oh, Adam Amin. Although he's not uh, national NBA anymore. He's just on the Bulls. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of really good ones. Yeah. They, they, they got a lot of them. They got, you know uh, – Olympics announcer Bob Fitzgerald. I'm not <laughs> kidding. Uh, Notorious. So, what's your what's your Gus Johnson take? What's the uh, yay or nay? Well, I, I'm a yay on him because you know he can make paint dry the most exciting thing you can ever hear. So maybe yeah. that's what what grates on other people, and that he's able to really bring out a lot of excitement. But also, uh, he gives a lot of color in in where the ball is moving from here to there, or or even more importantly, if a guy puts up a brick, he'll say it. He, he's a good announcer for looking at your phone while watching a game era mm. because a lot of the TV play-by-play people have been coached. Like you, I hear Skipper say this every time he's on Lebetard's pod. It's like, you don't have to say everything that they're doing because the people can see it. Well, no, we, we're looking at our phones, so we can't see everything. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So- before we say goodbye to Notorious, who is the greatest NBA play-by-play guy of all time? There is only one. Marv Albert. Marv. You're both wrong. He's second greatest. It's Chick Hearn. <laughs> I mean, I got my Southern California bias. But anyway, mm. see, you, see you, Notorious. Later. Bye. <laughs> So, so are we gonna do Chris Paul or Simmons and Bead first? I think it's the same topic in a way, or it's similar. Uh, okay, you introduce so, that. Well, okay, okay. I think let's go Embiid Simmons first because it's easier to get into because I still don't know what the hell happened between Chris Paul's family and the uh, fans who may or may not be children. So you want to do the expository on uh, Joel Embiid and, and Bill Simmons? Well, I, let me do Paul first, because... Oh! That, what? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, because I'm confused by the whole Chris Paul thing. Mm. Because for what his initial reaction was, he should... I'm surprised he did not dispute the Mavs' statement. Yeah. Um, there, there's a mismatch between how he reacted and what the Mavs say happened that doesn't make any sense. Um, so great point. There's a, we see a video of him, like basically telling like a teen, I'll see you later. (laughs) Yeah. Um, teen and his mom get escorted out of the uh, Mavs arena. We don't have to say the brands. Um, like it's not a law. I don't have to name the airline, but, um, 
So the Mavs Arena, American Airlines Arena, though you know for the yes. for the record, for the record, you uh, you you must feel obligated to say the brand name of the arena. But well, I'll uh, say the brand name of a uh, Chris Paul wears move insoles, which I'm investor an investor in, but that will not preclude me from being honest on this subject. But continue. <laughs> so he um then he tweets like something to the effect of I don't have it in front of me, but he tweets something to the effect of you know, we can't say anything to the fans, but they can put like our their hands on our families, like F that or whatever. Yeah. So then it's like, well, like he 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 accused the, the these kids of like hitting or pushing his wife and mom and that sounds really dastardly yeah but then later that day it does not take the Mavs very long to investigate they put out a statement through shams which you know it's interesting um when a team just from a nerdy perspective decides to send a statement to one of Wojer shams but not both and not blasted out so by, they by it- the way I, i've talked to agents who will send it to both but be sure that one gets it first and then go, Oh, sorry. Like I, I sent it to you in time. You didn't post it. And they'll like put it on the, uh, the newsbreaker and guilt them for not being quick enough off the draw to tweet it out first. But you, you were, but the Mavs definitely (laughs) sent it to Shams like, and not anybody else. And so at first, like they definitely gave it to him for whatever reason. And so uh, that's another side plot, but um, they, Oh, to pit um, quickly uh, to I have a Shams profile I think coming out tomorrow. Ooh. I had lunch with him for an hour last week and asked him about what he wants with his life. So um, he so anyways they um, like the Mavs put out a statement saying that the fans tried to give uh, members of Chris Paul's family quote unwanted hugs. What the hell is that? Like, how, how do they, how, what is an unwanted hug? Like, it's most of the hugs Paul's I've received in my, like, it's most of the hugs them. I've received in my life, if I'm honest. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, something, you've oh, I've had lots of unwanted hugs, but I've never like doled one out to like Chris Paul's wife and mom. And so it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense really like what that is, but the fans are only banned through, uh, until 2023. Yeah. Like, which is, if that's what they were going to do, you'd think they were just, we would say indefinite ban and then quietly roll it back. Like the warriors did with that, like one minority owner, yeah. you know, where he like pushed a player or something and now he's back in the fold, but yeah. he's banned indefinitely. And then they quietly let him back later. It's surprising the Mavs didn't do that move with with these fans. Well, but there are circuit there's circumstantial evidence to suggest that maybe the fans didn't do anything that bad, which is what you're identifying. The only video I've seen is of them tapping a shoulder and it's difficult to know this is why people maybe shouldn't immediately react before you get all the context, but I I will say it seemed like the media went all in on the Chris Paul narrative. And Chris Paul has not maintained that narrative. At some point, Kenny Smith read uh, a version of something that Chris Paul's mom told him about how they were tapping her 
and saying happy Mother's Day and they were inebriated. And it's all very confusing, but the only real, the most, uh, the, the visual that I mainly take away is that Chris Paul was having a terrible game. He was having a meltdown of a game. I root for him to do well because I've invested in the company that he's a co-founder of. So I want Chris Paul to do well. I, I support Chris Paul doing well. I want him to get more credit for how how great a career he's had. Uh, and but that attributes some of that credit to his shoe soles. Yes, that's my dream. That's what I want ultimately um, in life. You know, Shams wants, I don't know what he wants, whatever he told you, to kill Woj. I want Chris Paul he to endorse move He wouldn't discuss Woj. So if you're coming to like see his thoughts on Woj, like stay away. Ah, oh, Ryan, come on. Don't tell them that it's absent that. They could they could think that it might be there. But anyway. Ne- neither one has acknowledged the other publicly in over five years. Man, it's juicy. Um, yeah, so, uh, but it looks like he melted down. It looked like he lost his cool. I think it's okay to suggest that he might not have been in the best frame of mind to judge whatever was happening right there. And it's just of a piece, and we might be able to segue this to the Simmons and Bede thing, where we've got a lot of NBA players not just expressing frustration about their teams or whatever, but almost the system itself and how it works. How fan, Why are fans allowed to do this? We're, we're, we're seeing so much, why are fans allowed to do this? And I think it's in an era where the fans get kicked out if they do something. Um, and, and yet it seems like it's not good enough. And uh, the players collectively bargain to have media members vote on these awards that do determine salary. And then they act indignant like this shouldn't have happened. And it's like that meme of the guy in the hot dog outfit who just crashed with his hot dog mobile into a store. Uh, You know, we need to find the guy who did this. Uh, In in this case, as I'm transitioning to Joel Embiid uh, expressing frustration as Draymond Green did that Bill Simmons has a vote. Uh, you guys agreed to this. That's why it exists. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, the simmons Jalen Green thing was just blown way out of proportion. And I say that as somebody who, like, Simmons has not been, like, you know, the most respectful to over the years. Like, he's, you know, ripped my aggregations of him and then come back and, like, bragged about the point he was making when he said I took him out of context or whatever. So, um, you know, there, far be it for me, like, I'm not, like, you know, the staunch Simmons defender guy, but he was I am. Clearly... He invited me on his podcast. I'm all in. All in on Bill. We continue. <laughs> if he ever invites me, I will be too. The, um, but the... It really was, um, he was joking with like these people. And so Simmons is like a weird dynamic because when he left ESPN to form the ringer, it's like these people who listen to his podcast are there for him. His listeners know that he's joking around. Yeah. Like he's not making content for everybody. Like when I write for the New York Post, a lot of people come from Google or Facebook or the post homepage or whatever. Like I'm going to write for like the widest possible audience that like is not necessarily coming to me on purpose. His people are all his listeners. And then something gets like clipped and shared around um, to that like general audience. That he's really not necessarily speaking to. 
and people who aren't familiar with him or the way that he intones when he tells jokes or just don't get it um, are come out of the woodwork and blast so, him for it. It, it. It's so annoying. I feel like they're trying to ruin. They're trying to ruin podcasting fun. That's my take. Uh, I, aggregation is fine. I want to get aggregated to a certain extent to spread the word of whatever I'm doing. Sometimes what's aggregated will be a little bit more salacious or will be played up a little bit. It comes with the territory, but this is some hall monitor shit. I don't like it at all. I didn't like how they blew up a big news story of Kevin O'Connor, uh, you know, questioning about whether fasting was that hard. I get why. It's impolitic to say such a thing, but these are extemporaneous conversations, and it's not meant to be taken that seriously. People are joking. It's a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature <laughs> subjects. But first, Pearl Jam. But yeah, it's it, that's that's the dynamic, and it's this problem where when you take it to text um, and you take it from its original context, uh, suddenly things that are maybe humorous. A lot of people have said that comedy is benign violation, but things that are funny suddenly become damning. Um, maybe somebody would say that penis grabbers is that, though I doubt it. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think about recently for Mother's Day, they had Charles Barkley on, and I, as they do all the time on on TNT, it was the Turner. They were doing something on Mother's Day, right? And Chuck's just being hilarious, and he's just saying wild stuff. He's talking about how the women at Turner who were sending in messages because they were out of work because they just had babies and were on maternity leave, that they were having strategic babies, right? And it was just funny. And they were bringing up the time he said that women really milk pregnancies and that playing on a sprained ankle is harder. And then his daughter, <laughs> you know, his daughter uh, upbraids him for, for that kind of thing. And uh, he's just he's just being wild. And th as I'm watching, I'm thinking to myself, if this was a work setting or if it wasn't Charles Barkley and you take some of the things he's saying, some of these hilarious things and you aggregate it, then it's like, you, we got to fire that guy. You know, he just accused his coworkers of having strategic pregnancies. And so there's just something, there's something lost in translation when these podcasts where somebody's joking around and saying, fuck Jalen green, not to mean anything bad about Jalen green, but just saying that he was on a losing team. Uh, then becomes this this problem, this PR issue, and then starts hurting somebody's reputation. It's frustrating. It, it was like, it, it was basically Simmons being like, in in his, like, the, the thing that, like, is the weirdest about Embiid and Draymond going after Simmons for this is nobody takes their votes I'm like third team all rookie more seriously oh, yeah. than he does. Like yeah. he, he, he um, obsesses over his role in trying to get this right and goes well, through and, and like very rigorous this? processes. I, I don't want to seem like a, a bill bot after I, I went on his podcast, but he's only the most famous sports writer in America who wrote a massive NBA book and has brought a lot of people to NBA basketball as fans through the years. I, I, I mean, this idea that uh, I don't know because he's like white and old or something. And, you know, he's not, I mean, he's in his fifties, not that old that 
he just shouldn't he shouldn't have a vote. Hey, if you want that kind of system, if you want to excommunicate such people, you had the chance when you negotiated these terms. So uh, it's it's just it's just odd. It's an odd thing. Maybe some of it is, I don't know, players being offended that he said whatever about them. But it just seems it seems like a silly, a silly argument, a silly argument to base on saying fuck Jalen Green over the course of uh, an extemporaneous conversation. The broader and they're bringing it up like a month later. Yeah. Yeah. That this guy, I don't know, did something to Jalen Green. (laughs) This 19-year-old who's How is Jalen Green ever going to recover from Bill Simmons jokingly saying F him because he thought Herb Jones was a better choice for the (laughs) all-rookie team on a podcast? Like, Uh, Jalen Green, I I thought he was going to be a future Hall of Famer, but now I'm not sure that this is something that he can overcome. Yeah, I the broader issue, because nobody feels sorry for uh, podcasters who feel a little bit encumbered, is just that it makes the podcast boring when people feel watched in this way. But I have no solution to that problem. I don't know how to solve the issue of everybody feeling as though they're in a panopticon. Uh, with any sort of public, uh, you know, any sort of public presence or anything they say can be used against them in a bad way. I guess the solution is just to get looser with whatever I'm saying, because ultimately well, the solution I can't be fired. is what the comedians do with the no phones shows, like do live mm. shows that people aren't allowed to record. And then you can make something that is actually, you know, in one ear out the other. By the way, and this has nothing to do with anything, it's just people saying crazy shit who have been excommunicated from polite society. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed and would endorse uh, Louis C.K. talking with Shane Gillis in a four-part series about the U.S. presidents. It's a little like drunk history, and it's a little like stand-up. It's just, I think it's, it's really become kind of an underground hit. Uh, I tweeted it out, and a few people got mad at me for tweeting it out, as as happens. But I would just, uh, I would recommend that for people to check out. Uh, let's let's take hit call. up JF. Yeah. Okay. JF from Canada. From North Canada. Wait, did I not make him the next caller properly? Do you want to try it, Ryan? I feel like I might have a connection issue. Do you want to try to get him in the uh, get him in the queue? How do I do that? Well, you press on the icon and you click on make next caller. And it typically No, it works. doesn't let me do that. It only lets you do that. It's this Canadian connection right here. Okay, well, let's try it with Scott. Huh. 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 Okay, folks. I feel like uh, I've been undermined by technology. I'm going to try the invite the speak function. Not working. Okay, so I got a little notification that my connection is in jeopardy. Uh, Ryan, how do I sound? Do I sound You clear sound out? great. It, I, I sound. just got that um, notification too. Well, Ryan, uh, let's try it one more time. Oh, we got, well, we got Scott. We got Scott. I'm in. Uh, yeah, I got that notification too. Huh, thank God, Scott. Okay. All right. Hey, guys. I had a question for you, Ethan, which is – uh, I noticed, uh, I know the, the penis grabbers was uh, front and center as the Mark Jackson scandal, but the memorable I noticed there was another scandal missing from the article, and I was wondering if you were, if you considered putting that one in, 
I, I'm guessing you know which one I'm referring to. But talking about Brian Scalabrini? No, the uh, the extortion. Uh, oh, plot that he was a part of. Yeah, I think because and nude photos and yeah, I I think it's because it happened before he got there, Mm, the extortion plot, and then it became something that was brought up when he was there. But it just seemed like nobody cared about it, and I think in part nobody cared about it because nobody really cared about the Warriors, and that that could be forgotten a little bit. Is just how the Warriors went from team nobody gives a shit about at all to the biggest brand in sports now uh, not sports but the nba um so it just didn't factor that prominently in my mind um although although i do remember uh i do remember bogut bringing it up in the locker room <laughs> after sure mark would. jackson was gone yeah. i just remember he was asking because there was another announcer who got caught up in some sort of sex scandal i can't remember I feel like I sort of remember who, but I really shouldn't be just floating out a guess, right? Um, at the very least, you do the who wants to be a millionaire phone a friend for something like that. But it, it, Bogut said uh, in the locker room, I think it was before they were about to play Houston, like pregame, he goes, you know, there are a lot of uh, announcers getting uh, in sex scandals these days. <laughs> you go, oh, yeah? And he goes, you know who else had a sex scandal? You know? And I go, I legitimately couldn't even remember. I was bleary-eyed on the beat. I go, I don't know. And Boga goes, the caterpillar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right about that shit. <laughs> uh, so. Awesome. Well, I yeah. think for me, like, I think the, you know, the bigger thing was more of the hypocrisy as he presented himself as this pastor. And I think that was like kind of, you know. It was two on the nose. Kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two on the nose to be a pastor, you know, a preacher. And have the sex scandal. Um, but, yep. you know, hey, he has his supporters. I, I, I can't look askance. All of NBA Twitter said don't hire Jason Kidd. And he's had a pretty good season. So uh, who the hell knows, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Scott. Oh, we have JF one more time. Well, thank you so much, Scott. We're going to try yeah, JF. JF. We're going to check out that Canadian connection. And then we're going to get on out of here. Try it one more time. I do not know what's going on. Well, this is an awkward end. We have not stuck the landing on industry talk, but it has been a great adventure nonetheless. Ryan, is there anything else you want to get out there? Anything else you want to talk about before we head on out? Um, Do we want to talk about the science editor, like accusing white men of not wearing (laughs) masks? I have no idea about this one. I'm going to remove Scott from the queue. Because it seems like it will be controversial. I don't want Scott to catch any shrapnel from it. I don't know. So what is this? I texted it to you. We talked about it. You mocked her tone, too. Oh, are you talking about the Axios thing? Okay, so No, 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 no. I'm talking about the the editor of Scientific American tweeting this morning. Yes, yes, yes. yes. She was saying that that she would only All reader tweets. I just pulled them up. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a woman named Laura Helmuth, um, editor of Scientific American, tweets, the people who are not wearing masks on public transit these days are dot, 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 demographically distinctive. I knew Mm. what she meant. But then there's a second tweet. (laughs) I didn't mean to be cryptic. I just thought it had been said a lot already that it's almost all white men. 
WW, mm. which means white women, and POC, people of color, are mostly masked. About 50-50 for white men, at least in trains and subways I've been on in the past several weeks, parentheses, while masked because <laughs> there's a pandemic, you ding-dongs. <laughs> you ding-dongs. It's very scientific speech. Yeah, that was the one I fixated on. Do we believe her? Do we think that she meant something different and then felt the need to signal no, that? No, she meant she she was she thought everyone would understand that it was going to be white men from her tweet, and then people are like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "I need to clarify." I don't know. I don't know if I believe her. I, no, I feel I do. she. I knew it. I knew she was referring to white men right when the first tweet. What? Absolutely, because I've noticed it too. I've, I've noticed it on planes and trains um, and like in various spots that I think that like uh, just anecdotally white men are less likely to wear them, but mm. I don't wear them and I'm a white man <laughs> and I don't think that most of the masks that people wear work. And so, I, yeah, I don't have any, um, actually issue with her accusing white men of being <laughs> less likely to wear masks. I think she's probably onto something with that. I had an issue with her tone. I had an issue with her calling us ding-dongs. That was my main <laughs> issue in, in this whole thing. I mean, look, I only wear a mask if I have to. If it's, you know, obligated. If I'm in a hospital and they, they make you do it at this point. I think after you get the, uh, at, at least for us, speaking for us on this, after we caught the thing, you almost just forget about it. It's it's like, well, okay, that chapter in my life that that's over. It's uh, well, you know, we can probably get it again, but we can, um, we can, but it's it's an emotional barrier that is a uh, it's an emotional barrier that is breached. So uh, yeah, I I I feel I fit that stereotype, I guess. Although although I don't really I don't go on public transportation, and not because I'm rich or fancy, but just because I'm a hermit, Ryan. You know, I work from home. It's not necessary. Uh, for me to go anywhere um, and risk any exposure. But yes, not very scientific, quite hectoring. Um, I have to go out like when it's outside the workday because I work from home. Um, I can't just stay in my house all day. I have to go and do stuff when I'm not working. Is it a little garbly uh, to anybody else when Ryan spoke right there? Or is that just me? Is that just my faltering internet connection? I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, it was a... You know, I it's funny. I feel like we've talked less less pandemic, you know, as time has gone on because it does seem like it's receding. But there are those people and those places that do feel like uh, the Japanese soldiers who still felt like it was World War Two. And I I it's it's kind of like uh, Schrodinger's pandemic at this point where it exists or it doesn't exist. And I'm just not sure. I'm not sure where we're going to be at, but it's a factor. I mean, Steve Kerr is in protocols right now, uh, seemingly having gotten it. And what if the Warriors, who are up 3-1, it, it spreads to all of them? I don't know. That could really impact uh, the, the playoffs, which uh, I know that sounds glib in the context of a deadly disease, but that would be quite the story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I is it, it – so – do we want to try JF one more time? And if not, then, you know, get up on out of here. I think we get up on out of here. I don't know what's going on with the JF thing. I've Oh, he's here. We did it. Oh, my God. Oh, geez. Thank 
goodness. We've got JF. He's muted, though. I don't know if he knows he's muted. JF, you are on. You've got you've got 10 seconds. 10 seconds to figure it out and to unmute yourself. Maybe we're going to figure out whatever happened with JF. At this point, it's just a mystery. We don't totally know. You know, we've given the chance. Okay. Well, now we're going to get on out of here. Uh, Ryan, great stuff as always. This Follow- was a better show than last week. It was a better show than last week. I mean, in, co- in terms of content, I think it's always a good show. I certainly learned a lot about the NFL announcing game. Check out Ryan's work at the New York Post. Check out my work at House of Strauss. Uh, it's more than just penis grabbers over at House of Strauss, let me tell you. Subscribe today. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, take care. Adios. Yeah.